This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good evening, friends. We're continuing in Da'af HaShavua, Masech Taksubais, Da'af Samaches. We begin two lines from... Um, we, we begin by the two dots, three lines from the bottom of, on Samach Zayin and Mabez. Rabbi Abba Havatsayer Zuzi Besudare. Rabbi Abba used to bundle up money in his handkerchief. Veshadi Achare, and he would hang it behind him. Umam he would make himself available to the Aniyam. Umatsli Ene Mirama, he would slant his eyes towards the uh, robbers to make sure they weren't taking money from his sack. Rabbi Chanina had a certain poor man who he would frequently send four zuz every Arab Shabbos um, to support him. One day, One day, he sent it to him through his wife. Meaning, he sent the money, the tzedakah, through his wife. She came and she said to him, The Ani doesn't need the money. He says, My chazas, how do you know? What did you see? She says, She heard they were saying to him, What are you going to eat on tonight? With uh, placemats of silver or gold. Silver is referring to uh, linen. Gold is referring to silk. Basically, he would uh, he would wine and dine. So he obviously didn't need the money. Well, we're collecting money for him so he could uh, live it up. Amar, so Rabbi Hanina said, Hainu the Amar Rabbi Lazar. This is what Rabbi Lazar said. Boyu v'nachzik taiva l'raman. Come, let us give gratitude to the uh, pranksters, to the devious ones. Let's we really need, we owe a debt of gratitude to the Aniyim who are charlatans. Why? If not for them, we would sin every day. Because the bottom line is, we don't give tzedakah like we should. And in the back of our mind, our rationale is, well, who says, you know, maybe he's, uh, he says he needs the money, but then he's doing it, he's, he's doing it to, uh, to, to buy a Tesla. Right? In the back of our mind, we say, yeah, he has all these hamlatsos that he needs the money, and then he's, he's going to skedaddle and uh, live it big. So, is that a good rationale? Well, thank God there are charlatans. This way, even though 99 out of 100, the cause is good, but, uh, you know, we excuse ourselves from giving the tzedakah we really should give, because we say, well, who says he's an honest guy? So, thank, thank Hashem that there are a lot of charlatans out there. Otherwise, we would have no excuse. The Shartan doesn't allow us not to, quote-unquote, give any tzedakah or not to give the proper amount of tzedakah? I mean, it doesn't, the answer is neither. It doesn't allow us to, really, halacha we have to give generously and not really be that suspicious. But at least we have an excuse, the fact that there are Shartans in the world, you know, lets us off the hook a little bit. Shalmolehin, if not for them, hayinu chaytim b'chayim, we would sin every day, shenamar, we know the Ani, if you don't give it to the Ani, he'll cry out to Hashem, and it will be a sin. But now that the Ani knows, that you know, that there are charlatans out there, he's not going to really uh, pray 
that Hashem should hurt you because He knows that, you know, you might have an excuse for not giving. V'tani Rabchia Barav Midifti and Rabchia Barav Midifti taught Rabbi Shubhan Karcha Oimer Anyone who hides his eye from charity, it's like he served idols. Why is not giving tzedakah like idolatry? It says over here, Be careful, perhaps there'll be something in your heart without a yoke. It's referring to someone who doesn't want to lend money and give tzedakah. He's afraid that Shemitah will cancel it. And it says by Men without a yoke went out. So it uses the same word, Belial, both by not giving tzedakah and by One who blinds his eye. You know, one who walks around with an eye patch to make it as if he's a Nebuchadnezzar, that he needs to collect tzedakah, but really he sees uh, just well, just fine. Someone who blows up his stomach as if he has an ailment, but he's really fine. One who shrivels up his thigh. Basically, a faker will not pass away from this world until he really has that ailment or that wound that he's faking. One who accepts charity and he doesn't need it, he won't leave this world until he actually needs the charity. Tanan Hasam, we learned over there. We don't obligate someone to sell their house, the clay Tashmishai and his articles. The Allah is like this. In order to be eligible for tzedakah, you have to have under 200 zuz in your bank account. If you have 200 zuz in your bank account, then you're not eligible to tzedakah. That's the minimum threshold. You have 200 zuz, you're not eligible to tzedakah. You have 199, you're eligible for tzedakah. So let's say a guy has 190 zuz in his bank account, but he also has a car and, a, and he has a house. So do we force him to sell his car and house to, to get above the threshold this way we wouldn't have to give him tzedakah. So we learned in one Mishnah, we don't obligate him to sell his house or his kalim um, in order to get over 200 zuz. And the Gemara asks, If you use gold and kalim, then sell it, sell them, use silver, and get over the threshold. If you use silver, sell it, use copper. So we have a stira. You're supposed to sell your uh, vessels to get over the 200 zuz, or not? Amar of Zvid, Laikasha, Haba Mita Vashulchan Haba Kaisis of Kares. A bed and a table you need to sell. Cups and plates you don't need to sell, because people are very particular about their cups and plates. Right? Like, um, who, can we, who can we pick on? Who likes coffee in their mug? Yeah, thank you. I was hoping you would offer that, right? Alan's a, a mug guy. He likes his mug. Don't don't tell us. He wants his mug. He doesn't want to drink out of your mug. I mean, he's not comfortable drinking out of your mug. He doesn't know what kind of dish soap you use. He's used to his mug. He's very comfortable with it. He knows the heat, the cold. He he just enjoys it. So, 
Um, people are particular about their cups, not so much their bed and their table. Sigmar says, really? Why doesn't a, per- a person have to drink their cup and pl- Why doesn't a person have to j- sell their cup and plate? Because a person could say, it's disgusting for me to use an- another one. A bed and a table also. Won't a person say, I don't want to sleep in your bed. I'm come to my bed. My bed knows my contours. It knows, you know, my body. I know the soft spot. I don't want someone else's bed. I want my bed. So Gemara says, "Amar Rava bray the Rabba b'macharisha the Kaspa." We're talking about a a plow of silver. Basically, you don't have to sell any of your personal items. Not your bed, not your table, not your cup, not your plate. You do have to sell your working tools. If you have a valuable working tool, you'll have to sell it. Rav Papa Amar. Rav Papa says, Loi kasha. Kan kaidam giboy. Kan giboy. Rashi explains, This that we learned, you're not mechayev to sell. That's in the beginning. When you're coming to collect tzedakah. And you don't have 200 zuz. And if you sell your kalem, you would get 200 zuz. You're not chayiv to. Someone who doesn't have 200 zuz is allowed to collect charity and he doesn't have to sell his kalem. But that b'risa that says that you do have to sell, that's talking about someone who had 200 zuz and he unlawfully took lekat shikham and we found out he had more than 250, 200 zuz. So we're coming to take back the Lekat Shikram And now it comes out that if somebody does no longer has 200 Zuz, we're going to make him sell his Kalim to pay back for originally taking the Lekat Shikram that stuck unlawfully. Okay. Now we're going to talk about a very interesting halacha. The halacha is that when you marry off a woman, you're supposed to give her a nadan. You're supposed to give her a dowry. You also are supposed to support her. How much of the father's estate is a girl supposed to get? We know a boy, Midairaisa, inherits the parents. So a boy, if there's one brother, he gets everything. If there are two brothers, they both get 50%. If there are three brothers, they all get 33%. What if there are two brothers and a sister? The, the halachic uh, law, the letter of the law, is we're going to see a girl gets 10%. Easter nechasim, ten percent. Not saying that this is what is done, you know, nowadays, but according to the strict halacha, a girl gets ten percent. By the way, there's a, a very amazing Toisus Yamtiv who says the reason why God gave Israel to the to the Jewish people is because Eretz Yisrael had thirty one kings, and our inheritance in this world is like a girl. And therefore, since in the world to come there are 310 worlds, 310 worlds, 
Therefore, 10% of that is the 31 kings of Canaan. So that's why God gave us Israel. But keep that in mind, that there's an idea that a father gives a daughter, or a daughter inherits from the father 10%. Says the Holy Mishnah, A orphan girl that her, her mother or her brother married her off, midaita with her consent, the kasvula, and they wrote to her a very cheap dowry, the meya, a hundred zuz, or fifty zuz. She can't, she's allowed to when she grows up, to extract from them, what really she should have been given as a dowry. What is that? Rashi says 10%. Okay, Yisra Nechasim. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says that Im Hisi as Habas Rishan, if the father married off the first daughter, then the second daughter should be given commensurate with what the first daughter was given. If the first daughter was given Nechves 20%, then the second daughter should also be given 20%. So Rabbi Huda, if the father married off the first daughter, you should give to the second daughter that amount. The Chachamim say, No, you can't say we should follow the model of what the father did the first time. Sometimes the person was originally poor, and they became wealthy. Sometimes the person was originally rich, and they became poor. Ella rather shaman as hanachasim anoisim la. Rather, instead, we evaluate the property and we give to her. What does it mean we evaluate? We see how much money the father has now when he died. And depending on his financial status, that's how much she gets. So the Tanakama seems to say that. A woman whose father died and the mother or her brother married her off, when she grows up she could say, you know, give me 10%. Rabbi Huda says, no, we follow the paradigm of what the father gave the first daughter. The Chachamim say, no, we follow the father's financial status. Amar Shmuel. So Shmuel said the following halacha. Lefarnosa shamin ba'av. When it comes to support, we evaluate it based on the father. Meaning, a girl who's an orphan that comes to get married, we give her a dowry based on our estimate of what her father would want to give. Now, who is that like? Is that like the Tanakama? Tanakama says she gets 10%. Rabbi Huda says you follow the first order. The Chachamim say... You evaluate and you give it to her. So who does that go like? So Gemara asks, Meisvei, I have a, I'll ask you from the following, Brisa, The daughters are supported and sustained from the property of their father. We don't say, We don't estimate what the father would have wanted to give. We evaluate the property. We give to her. 
Says Gemara, my love, Parnassus Abal, is this Bryson not talking about the dowry? And the dowry, Shmuel said that for a dowry we evaluate the father. Based on whether the father's a generous guy or a stingy guy. No, we don't do that. We don't say what would the father give. But rather, we just evaluate the financial status and uh, we give accordingly. Sigmar says, no, I'm Rav Nachmar Yitzhak. This price is not talking about the dowry. By the dowry, Shmuel said, we evaluate the father uh, based on his personality. Parnosas Habal... Uh, when it says, Lefarnosa Shomen Ba'av, Amram Nachman Yitzhak, Loi, Beparnosas Atzma, it's talking about how much support the girl gets. So therefore, when it comes to the dowry, we see what t- type of guy the father is. When it comes to how much money she gets, then we do it based on financial status. Says the Gemara, Of the Gemara asks, "Honey, Zoynus and Mespanisus, but it uses two expressions: she's sustained and supported. Isn't one for her dowry, and one for the way she is supported? So that means, at least for the dowry, it goes by financial status, and not that we evaluate what the father wanted to give. My love, achas parnasas habav, achas parnasas atzma. One is the dowry, and one is supporting of her. Says Gemara, loy, I div, I div parnasas atzma. Both are." How much money she gets. It's not talking about the dowry. The loikasha, One is how much food and drink she gets, and one is how much clothing she gets. So when it comes to her personal support, it depends on the father's financial status. When it comes to the dowry, that we evaluate it based on the father's personality. That's Shmuel's teaching. Lefarnosa, for the dowry, Shaman Ba'av, we evaluate the father. Tinan. We learned in the Mishnah, second line, second wide line, Imrim. The sages say, Pa'amim Sha'adam Ani Vehesher Ay Sometimes a person was poor and then he became wealthy. Or he was wealthy and then he became poor. El Shaman Hanachasim Anoisim Lai. We evaluate his financial status and we give it. That's not like Shmuel. Shmuel says we don't evaluate the financial status. We evaluate the personality of the father. Says the Gemara, My oni my asher. What does it mean, poor and rich? If poor means actually poor, and rich means actually rich, so doesn't that mean the Tanakama holds? Afilu Ashir Vaheni. Even someone who is wealthy and then became poor. Kidmeikari You give like his original status. That can't be. In other words, what does Rabbi Yehuda mean? What does the, what do the Chachamim mean? Sometimes a person is poor and they became wealthy, or wealthy and they became rich. If it's actually referring to such a fluctuation in financial status, that means the Tanakama holds fluctuation in financial status doesn't make a difference. 
that even someone who is rich and he became poor, he has to give like his original status. But nobody would say that. It must be, Elalav Ani, Ani Bedas, Asher, Asher Bedas. Ani and Asher means you can't follow what the father did originally because the Chachamim say people's personality changed. Sometimes people are stingy and they become more generous or vice versa. And which means, um, and therefore you follow a person's financial status. So if if the Chachamim are saying that we don't fi- follow somebody's uh, personality because the personality could change, that's not like Shmuel. That means we don't follow someone's personality that they had in the past, but rather we just follow their financial standing. We see we don't follow uh, the way a person is assumed to have thought. But we don't evaluate someone's personality. Shmuel says, when it comes to a dowry, we evaluate someone's personality. And the Chacham say, you can't evaluate someone's personality. People's personalities are on the move. Some people, they used to be generous, and now they become stingy. Some people, they start off stingy, then they develop generosity. So how could Shmuel say we evaluate personality? The Chachamim and the Mishnah clearly say we don't evaluate personality. Because they say sometimes a person could either become wealthy or poor. And it doesn't mean financially, because nobody would argue on that. This refutes Shmuel. So when it says doesn't refute Shmuel, Shmuel doesn't hold like the Chachamim. Shmuel holds like Rabbi Huda. Huda Amar Rabbi Huda. He holds like Rabbi Huda, the Tan Rabbi Huda Aymer, Im Hisi Es Basri Shaina. Rabbi Huda holds, we do evaluate personality. Rabbi Huda holds, if he married off his first daughter, Yinasin Lashnia, Kedach Shinasan Lashnia. So Shmuel, in effect, disagrees with the Chachamim and holds like Rabbi Huda that we evaluate personality. Sigmar so says, if Shmuel holds, you evaluate personality like Rabbi Huda, why didn't he just say Halacha Rabbi Huda? Why didn't he just say the halacha is like Rabbi Huda? Says Rabbi Huda. If he would have said the halacha is like Rabbi Huda, Hava Amina, I would have thought Davka Hisia, Davka if he married her off. Excuse me, Davka. Maybe Rabbi Huda's din that you, we evaluate his personality is only if. We have a precedent based on the way he married off the first child. Davka hisia degali daita. Avaloi hisia. But maybe if he never married off a girl, loi, we can't evaluate. Kamashmolan. So therefore, Shmuel comes and teaches us that time of the Rabbi Huda, the reasoning of Rabbi Huda, Zazina Basar Umdana. We follow presumption. Loishna hisia, loishna loi hisia. It doesn't matter if he married off a girl before or not. So why did Rabbi Huda? Specifically, talk about a scenario where he once married off a girl. To teach the extent of the rabbis, that the rabbis say it doesn't matter, it's irrespective if he married off a girl before, people's personality changed. The Chachamim say, even though he once married off a girl, the Gali Daite, and he showed his mindset, we don't follow presumption. 
Amar le Rav le Rav Chizda. Rav said to Rav Chizda, Darshinan Mishmecha, they darshan in your name, Halacha Rabbi Huda, the Halacha is like Rabbi Huda, that we follow presumption. Rav said to Rav Chizda, they darshan in your name, the Halacha is like Rabbi Huda. So Rav Chizda said, Amar le, Yehi Rava, may it be the will of God, Kal Kihani Mili Malyasa, all of these types, all of these beautiful types of teachings, Tidrashu Mishmai, you should say in my name. But this implies that Rava holds, like Rabbi Huda, that we evaluate somebody's mindset based on presumption. Says, well, Miyama Rava, how did Rava say that we evaluate based on presumption? Vatani, we learned in a bride, so Rabbi Oimer, Rabbi said, Bas Hanizonis Menachin, a daughter that's supported from the brothers, Noitelas Isra Nechasim, takes 10%. Vatamar Rava, Rava said, Hochasak Rabbi, that is like Rabbi. That you get 10% and we don't evaluate it based on what the father would pres- be presumed to have given. Says, well, like Hasha, it's not difficult. That which Rava says we follow presumption, that's when we're able to evaluate what the father would have wanted to give. This that we say across the board, it's 10%. That's if uh, we weren't, ab- weren't able to uh, um, evaluate. It's also mustaber that when Rava said the halach is like Rebbe that you give ten percent. It's when you are not able to evaluate. said, there's a story. There's a story that Rebbe gave not ten percent, but one out of twelve. So why did he do that? Kashin hadadi. Why would he give one out of twelve? Didn't he say ten percent? It must be It depends whether you are able to have a presumption. If there's a presumption, then it could be twelve percent or one twelfth. If if there's no presumption, then it's one out of ten. Okay, Rabbi. So we'll hold it over here. We'll pick it up tomorrow. Gufa. Okay, thank you very much. Good to see everybody back. Kaltov, have a great night. Good night, good night. Kaltov. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.